Hi, I'm Katie. Welcome to the We Shape podcast. I'm here with co-founder Tyler. Are you going to say hello? <laughs> you are. Hi. You might just be listening today. I know. I'm in a weird, weird yeah. headspace today. That's I'm okay. Tired, but that's that's all right. okay. Um, Maybe I get to be the loopy one today. <laughs> yeah. okay. I'll get a turn. I'm, I'm here for it. And if you've been listening to the last couple episodes, you will know that we have a very special guest co-host, Dr. Lisa Folden. Hey, y'all. We are, this is our fourth episode we're recording? Yeah. Yes. Perhaps, um, yes. So if you've listened to the last couple, you'll know that you're you're in for a good treat today. Okay. We're, we're so happy to have you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to jump right in. We uh, have an incredible guest. I was on her podcast earlier this week. Great conversation. Uh, we always have so much to talk about with this emotional eating stuff, with intuitive eating, with food. I mean, really, we live in a culture that has done a disservice in our relationship with food. So Absolutely. this is a good chance for us to rewire some of those neuro, what are, neuro pathways. There you go. <laughs> um, so it takes repetition, right? I, I have found, I don't know about for, for you both, but for me, it's like, oh, I know that, but my brain still wants to go in this other direction. Absolutely. And it just, so that's why we keep having the same conversation yeah. because I think that Sometimes it just takes like, oh, this person said it this way and it, it just created that new neural pathway a little deeper, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm here to keep having these conversations. And Same. So let's, let's get started. Our guest today is Amber Romaniak, and she's an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert who helps high-achieving women create a level of body confidence, intuition, and optimal health through powerful mindset healing, self-care, and overcoming self-sabotage with food. She does this through addressing the key negative thoughts, patterns, and limiting beliefs that keep women stuck in the same behaviors for years and decades and that haven't been that they haven't been able to break. Ooh, we got to talk about that. Yeah. That's my problem. Her podcast, the No Sugar Coding Podcast, has over a million downloads, over 400 episodes, and is listened to in over 88 countries. Nice. Amber overcame her own emotional eating after gaining and losing more than a thousand pounds and spending over fifty thousand dollars on binge foods and spending five years balancing her hormones and digestion. She also dismantled her deep limiting beliefs and behaviors, keeping her stuck in the same looping patterns. Now she helps others achieve the biggest healing miracles of body freedom so they have the confidence and health to create amazing lives. Wow, Amber, welcome wow. to the show. Wow. Um, I love the mindset. I love the mindset notes in there. I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have to um, you know, offer today. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we have to start with your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Give, give us a little bit of insight into that. And I need to hear about these thousand pounds. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely elephant in the room. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And it's funny because people always say like 100 pounds. And I'm like, no, it's a 1000. It's not a typo because you think, right, that that's what it would be. But um, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm so excited to have this chat today. The journey. Oh, my goodness. If you would have told me, you know, 20 years ago that I'd you know, be here talking to you, lovely souls, helping women, I'd be like, hi, you're crazy. I had a whole goal to go to broadcast television school and become a entertainment reporter and um my whole plan got completely shifted in a different direction when i you know and from a very young age started having a really emotional unconscious relationship with food and i think we all go through different experiences but for me there's a couple key things that occurred my first day on the school bus says five the bright brown eyed 
mushroom cut amber gets on the bus the older boys start calling me ugly and fat and then the whole bus is bullying me making fun of me and I didn't know how to not take that on and I took that on as my identity for the next 20 years and then I also grew up with a mother who was very amazing but very much had her own emotional relationship with food and struggled with multiple sclerosis and was diagnosed before I was born and so one of her ways to compensate with things we couldn't do together because her symptoms could flare up was food and so there was always anything I wanted available in you know really abundant quantities and we were always eating together in front of the tv and you know eating donuts for breakfast and just like whatever I wanted I could have and I didn't know any like education around nutrition or food or maybe like a bit more with balance um and then you know you hit your teens and Hollywood and magazines and all the photoshopping and editing and you start comparing and you just start having this skewed image of what is healthy and what is actually real versus what is so fake and, and falsified and illusory. Yeah. Um, and then it was really my early 20s where I had gone through my first big breakup, was absolutely so hurt, and my appetite went away. And so I started losing weight really fast. And then I started exercising two hours a day, under eating, which I highly do not recommend at all. Um, but I reached my quote unquote goal weight, thought that would fix everything. And of course, it didn't fix anything. Mm. And I got more critical, period disappeared. I started to have hormone issues, started to become very critical of my body. And I'm like, well, what's the point? Like, this didn't fix anything. It didn't make me happy. And then it's like this light switch flipped. And all of a sudden, I found myself deep in binge eating. And my first memorable binge memorable binge was going to a barbecue I took an ice cream cake but I'm like I'm not going to eat any I'm just going to have the salad right like in that diet mentality and I ended up having a piece of the cake and it's like this light flipped on in my brain that's like oh that was so good like and at the same time this ego voice in my mind is like you messed up like you screwed over the day like eat whatever you want so that all or nothing mentality really kicked in for the first time I stole the chocolate bar off the counter that was for s'mores, went to the bathroom, ate it, drove to the drive-thru on the way home, bought a bunch of fast food, binged. And that was my first memorable like loss of control, all or nothing with food. And then I gained about 60 pounds in four months through pretty much binge eating with a full loss of control every day for that period of time and was absolutely devastated now at my heaviest weight. Um, and so I went through that cycle for a couple of years before I really hit rock bottom. And I think... Some people have a low point moment. I w don't wish it upon people, but some people need it to happen to really like wake up and be willing to change. Okay. Because from a mindset standpoint, I can't stress this enough and you can't make anyone ready to change. But what I see that happens and what was going on for me is I was in this denial that my binge eating, emotionally eating food addiction wasn't really a big deal and that food was my friend and it was helping me cope. And that if I broke up with food, like what would I have left? I wouldn't have anything left. And so that kept me in this story of it's not a big deal. I'm horribly bloated. I am now, you know, very much uncomfortable in my body. I'm, for me, like way above my natural set point. I've got all these health issues cropping up. I'm only 22 years old. Um, I'm exhausted. I'm brain fogged. I have pretty much no memory. Um, and I'm just chasing these dopamine highs. And so, but I was like, oh, it's not a big deal when it really was. And then... I had a moment happen where I started to learn a bit about binge eating and going, I think this is what I'm going through. And I'd finished a binge, always threw the food in the garbage can if I had leftovers because that was the motivator. I wouldn't go past that point. I wasn't going to dig through the garbage to eat the food. Yeah. Um, 
And that night I laid on the couch after the binge in just horrible pain. And I'm just thinking, I don't think I'm going to make 30 if I keep up with this destructive behavior because it was mostly every night of the week and then going to the gym to try and course correct heavy restrictions, skipping breakfast, you know, eating lots of salads and trying these restrictive diets to compensate. Um, And that night in particular, I had laid on the couch, the food had settled. And then I thought, well, as usual, that all or nothing mentality came in and said, if this is the last time you're going to do this, you might as well go dig through the garbage and grab the rest of those cookies and eat them. Because if this is it, like you've got to have the free for all. And so I went into my kitchen pulled out my little blue garbage can, dug through, found the rest of the cookies, sat down, ate them, and just was absolutely just in this state of complete shame, embarrassment, like shock. What did I just do? How is this my life? I'm broke. I'm negative right in my bank account all the time. I have a crappy retail job. I'm alone. I have nothing. Like, how is this even my life? Um, But that needed to happen for me because it crushed all my denial uh, it crushed all my fear of change, fear of the unknown of if I address what was going on. And it, it crushed my, you know, um, story of, well, I don't know how to deal with this, so I can't do anything about it. I was like, I don't know how to deal with this, but I got to figure it out. So that's really what catapulted me into the healing journey, which went through a few phases of like understanding the addictive nature of sh- refined sugar and how gluten and casein were also exciting like the opioid receptors in my brain. I was very addicted to food. For me, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to cut out sugar or minimize sugar. It was like, if I eat a piece of cheese, I'm eating the whole block. Like it was very intense for me. Mm. Um, so I really worked first on healing and understanding, you know, that food was impacting my brain chemistry and that it was lighting up and, you know, it was producing all this dopamine. And that I was really chasing these dopamine highs um, and as I started to learn a bit about this, I started to feel not so crazy. Um, but it's when I still wanted to binge on like 10 bananas in a jar of natural peanut butter that I'm like, this is so much deeper than just the food. This is so emotional. And that's then when I started into the emotional leg of the journey, which was also about, I need to figure out what's triggering me to do this. Uh-huh. There's all, there's like dozens and dozens of emotional and binge eating triggers, physical, emotional, energetic. I don't love myself. I hate my body. I'm chasing the scale. I need to deal with that. I need to learn. I want to learn how to love myself and fill that void. And what does that even mean? And then I'm, I need healthy ways to cope. I'm terrified to feel my emotions. I'm terrified to feel. I don't have any healthy ways to cope with stress. I am a, a basket case when it comes to stress. And then I went through that. And as I did, I really was able to stop and overcome the triggers, of course, with many attempts. Um, but when I healed that, I really gained so much clarity around, wow, so many people are struggling with this, especially women, like 90% of the female population. I feel like I went through this and that this is my calling. And then that's when my business, you know, was birthed from there. But the thousand pound thing was literally for a period of three, four or five years, I would gain and lose 30 to 50 pounds every three or four months. And so it added up really fast. Yeah. This is thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing that story of taking the stuff out of the cookies out of the trash, right? Like people need to hear that type of story and realize, like, first of all, I've eaten meals over the trash before when I was more of a binge eater and throw them in there. Oh, if I throw it in there, then I won't dig it out, kind of thing. And for you to go to that next level, I can see how that would really be like a rock bottom for you. One thing that you touched on though, that I feel like is something that we don't hear very often in these dialogues a little bit, but it sounds like you really dove deep into it, is this. I don't know how to feel my feelings 
I don't know how to connect with myself. I don't know how to face my pain. And this is my way of dealing with that instead. How did you go from not being able to face your pain to recognizing that the key to maybe being able to move forward and not chase those dopamine highs was to get connected to yourself and face that pain? Yeah, baby steps mm. off, right? Like, I think that's the most realistic and encouraging way. But the, the first time I'll never forget I was so triggered to binge. And for me, I'd like, I drive to the store every night. It wasn't just stuff I had at home. It was like me going to the organic store to justify that that was a better choice. But I was triggered and I was like, Amber, like, just try to feel. I was feeling fear, I was feeling worry. And I was just like, just sit, put a timer on for just 30 seconds. And if you can get through this 30 seconds and just feel, and everything's okay. Like you don't have to go to this. Don't go to the store. Like everything's going to be okay. And so I sat, I closed my eyes and I felt the fear. I felt the worry. I was just present with it. And I really thought like my apartment was going to break in half and the world was going to like, you know, collapse if I felt my feelings. Like this limiting mindset I had had convinced me so deeply that that was what go was going to happen. And it didn't. And I felt and then I spent another few seconds. I was like, okay, I'm actually, I'm safe. And I think one of the biggest blocks around this is that we convince ourselves we aren't safe to feel and that there's a, a cougar in the room that's going to attack us if we feel. But there's a difference between safety and discomfort. It's uncomfortable right. to feel when you're not used to it, but you're actually safe. And so when I started to realize, ooh, okay, I'm feeling this is uncomfortable, but I'm safe. Okay, I actually don't need to suppress my emotions anymore. It's hard. It could be easier to just go have a quick dopamine high right now, but that started to become a bit more familiar and a bit less uncomfortable, and that made it easier over time to be willing to actually process through. I love that. Yeah. Sit for 30 seconds. Yeah, that's like, a great strategy. Tool, yeah. right? Because so many people, they just like, there's so much pent up inside there from whatever it is they've yeah. faced in their life that the even the thought of approaching it is like an all or nothing thought, right? It's like, if I open this door what's going to happen and what you're saying is really beautiful open the door for 30 seconds and and be with it and then if you can do 30 maybe you can do a minute right and slowly build from there so thanks again for sharing that. i mean i think mm -hmm. what happens is we're tricked into believing that if we open the door it will never go away yeah. and that it's just going to be forever even though like it doesn't last it's like you can't it sometimes it's just hard to get your head in the right space to even convince yourself that you can sit with that for 30 seconds but i love yeah. The, breaking it down into really manageable steps. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I was laughing the other day because our daughter, she makes a lot of messes around the house mm -hmm. and she, it's really hard for me to get her to clean things up. And I asked her, I said, how would you like me to ask you to clean up these messes? And she looked at me and she said, regardless of how big the mess is, can you look at me and say, can you please clean up that tiny little mess over there? And I was like, what an incredible strategy, right? Baby steps. 30 seconds at a time, because I think what happens is we get the rep of, I could do that. Okay, can you do it one more time? Okay, there's another rep. And then those those reps add up to, mm -hmm. you can do this. So what an incredible strategy. Like, how can we sit in discomfort for 30 seconds? Love that. Yeah. Tell us more about the mindset shifts that you went through as you kind of started facing, you know, these things that were preventing you from uh, making choices from a more centered place. Yeah. So one thing that was like such a blessing that I discovered through this healing was I just like to call it the ego. I mean, people might have other names for it, but it's the voice, the very analytical, critical voice that we all have that lives in our minds. We all have one unless you're enlightened. Um, 
And when I really started to realize that every time I wanted to binge or every time I got critical of my body or wanted to people please, um, that I was actually giving my power away and that it was this this voice in my mind that was so heavily programmed, um, you know, that was trying to convince me I wasn't good enough and didn't look good enough and had to appease everyone else because otherwise I could get abandoned. Once I started to understand that voice and there was a big difference between giving my power away to it and actually living in my heart and living in my own power, I started to realize, wow, okay, when I don't get enough sleep, when I overbook my schedule, when I say yes to things that I really are out of alignment that I should have said no to, I give my power away. When I get on the scale and I don't like the number I see, I'm getting upset with myself. And so I started to build awareness around what does it feel like to live in my power? What are the physical sensations in my body? My shoulders are back. I feel more relaxed. I have more energy versus when I'm giving it away, I'm feeling this drain. I'm feeling anxiotic. I'm feeling like contracted in my body. And it was really important for me to build awareness around that because if I didn't catch that and start like dismantling it, it would snowball and then I would just go into that effort mentality and be like, I need food. Where's my where's my fix? Um, and starting to realize that this voice in my mind, yes, it's a part of me, but it's not the real me. Mm. And that, wow, like this voice doesn't have to call the shots anymore. Like mm-hmm. I get to roll the shots. And how how can I really learn to take my power back? And so this ego mentality is a huge reason why so many stay in the same self-sabotaging behaviors because it's telling you, well, what's the point? Just go eat the food. What's another day? What's another three pounds? You know, what's another box of cookies? What's another evening mindlessly eating on the couch? Like, what's another day feeling horrible? You felt horrible for the last five years. What's another few days? Like, it it really justifies why you should stay in the sabotage. But then it, it enables it. But then it, like, makes you be pissed at yourself and makes you feel guilty when you give into it it's like a cycle it reminds me when we say like feelings aren't facts right like we may have an ugly feeling but that doesn't mean it's real so i'm curious for you what are like the what strategy do you do you like listen to the thought and like okay you know recognize it do you try to replace it um do you you know sit with it for longer what do you do to kind of shift the thinking and change the thought or do you change the thought? Do you just kind of let it be, you know, where it is? What do you do like day to day for that? Yeah. So there's a, f- a few different avenues depending on what's coming up. So if it's really intensive fear, lack, anger, like something that, that I'm just feeling that I'm giving my power away, I'm in this drain, no matter what I'm trying, nothing's working. I like to do what I call sacred rage, which is where I go into our room, I close the door, I set a timer for five minutes, and I feel all of what I'm feeling so intensively and then I beat up my pillow and I scream and I let it all out and I swear to you the release is huge because when you stop binge eating it sounds like the release can we pause the podcast real quick and take a five minute break (laughs) (laughs) how are we back it feels so good right so for that kind of emotion I find that's helpful and because after you stop binging, you are having these layers of old emotional stuff that you've been suppressing for years or decades coming up that are are from the past. Mm-hmm. And so I find, you know, tapping in and going, is this now? Yeah. Okay, actually, no, this isn't now. This is like from 10 years ago. Okay, well, let's go let this go. Is this now? Okay, well, if it is, I'm going to go do the same thing. I find that's to me, if nothing else works, or I'm feeling it most intensely that if I'm feeling just some annoyance or a bit irritable or maybe just like, ugh, I just need something kind of like 
to to clear this emotion out of my body i might shake as well i find like oh. these somatic practices like mm. sacred rage and shaking really help us to move some of the side of the body because we can sit and journal all we want and maybe that is the best thing for some people but sometimes we need to actually physically move or audibly like get it out yeah and then maybe you journal afterward and reflect i also find EFT tapping is great okay. because we're clearing out negative thoughts and loading beliefs from the mind and the body um, and bringing in more of what we want. I love meditation, breath, nature, journaling, yoga. Everyone has different stuff, but for really intense stuff, I find that really helps me take my power back. If I still try all of that and it doesn't work, I'm like, you know what? I need to allow. Huh? I'm just going to sit in this for a bit because there might be something here for me and trying to force it out. It's just making it worse. Yeah. I mean, I what that. an important message, though, especially for uh, women who get the message from our society that anger is actually not acceptable, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like I I feel like that I've heard that message my whole life. Like that's not an acceptable emotion. Um, and so I love just the permission that all the emotions are acceptable and we can actually it actually needs to come out. I, are you familiar with uh, network spinal analysis? No. It's like a form of energy work and body work. Mm -hmm. And the whole premise is like re remapping various energy systems in your body and like releasing old patterns. Like it's like that, you know, that book, like the body keeps score. Where it's like we store stuff in our body. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's how if we're not going to deal with it, it's going to go somewhere and it goes in our body. It's sort of like that concept. And it reminds me of when you're talking about like, oh, how's my posture? How's the it's like I would I, I, I go to network and I had asked and she, actually Dr. Pei has been on the show and I've asked her, like, what are some of the most challenging uh, patients that you work with? She said people have spinal injuries mm -hmm. and it's like their posture and like their physical representation. It's like the physical representation is often the emotional representation of what's going on in the body. And so mm -hmm. even more of a reason and this is kind of what we're trying to do here at WeShape is like. We have been taught to disconnect the mind through from the body, yeah. to pretend that anger is not there, to push through burnout, to essentially ignore our body. Ignore and our body. Yeah. The body has such infinite wisdom and power. And if we can figure out a way to, like you said, tap into some of these somatic or physical experiences, it's practice for connecting that mind-body. And that's yeah. honestly what happened for me when I went to Network Spinal. It was like, it was like my body, my head was attached to my body, but it really wasn't. And right. she was like, oh, we're going to get it back online, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I love what you're saying about sort of sort of these like physical expressions of how, what we can do with feelings, because we don't have a lot of tools in our culture. We don't have a lot of strategies for this. We don't even have permission, really. Right. Let's get real. Oh. It reminds me of what I talk about with our 10 year old a lot. She's got um, big feelings and now she's getting some some hormones coming in as well. And, you know, one of the analogies we came up with together was this concept around like a black box. When something challenging happens to you and you feel big feelings, you kind of have a choice, right? You can open up a black box inside your body, you can stuff it in, and you can put locks on it, and you can forget about it until one day there's so many black boxes they start opening their own doors, right? Or you can deal with it right then and there. And that's something that we've used as kind of a way to communicate about, you know, dealing with um, emotional, um, you know, upregulations or traumas or anything that you're kind of aware of in yourself. And so I just I just really appreciate you, A, being willing to do that. Because like Katie said, like women are, are told to not be angry, like just go be meek and like yeah. complacent and all this stuff. And like for someone to sit in a room and just scream and yell and get that out of your body, like people are afraid to do that. 
But I promise everybody who's listening to this, if you give yourself permission to do that, sure, maybe people will think you're weird, but you're going to feel so good afterwards because right. you're like, I got that out of me. But people I opened the black think box. you're weird because- They're afraid to do it. They don't afraid get it. To, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not weird that a human being would be capable of those emotions. It's right. actually part of being a human being. We yeah. just think it's weird because we've been made to believe that those emotions or- some of the extremes of those emotions can't exist. And yeah. so that's why it's weird. It's not because it is weird. It's because we've been taught that it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. 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 You, you mentioned a lot about childhood. Now, I was a child who had a lot of um, experience with being fat shamed. And I find that a lot of people um, build their identities in that in that time frame. And some people build an identity that, that kind of keeps them stuck there. And other people build a different identity where they get a chip on their shoulder and they go after it a different direction. But how, how did you get to kind of that route, right? Because you've already mentioned that you got on the school bus and people made fun of you and immediately you attached to that identity and you were stuck there for a long time. Like, how did you get from adult version down to that younger version? Because what I found is that it's that younger version that installs, you know, the software of how we run things. And we yeah. think we're living this life that's free and we're responding by conscious choice, but really we're just stuck in these conditioned patterns that we've been given, you know, at birth or in, in our younger years. 100%. And it was really as I was delving into this awareness of my triggers and, okay, why don't I love myself? Like, what's at the root of this? Where did I accumulate all of this from? And then that memory kept coming up about being five on the bus and that being the first, like, really vivid experience and going, oh, my goodness, like, I have this five-year-old wounded part of me that is still very upset about this that I have innocently ignored for the last 20 years because I didn't even think or know to to go and connect with her so innocent. We're not taught how to do inner child work or how to connect with, and that could be you last week, right? Right. It doesn't mean, mean you're actually from five, but any of those circumstances. And so I started to do some inner child practice and again, be very mindful and gentle with this because doing too much of it can overwhelm your nervous system. Totally. We don't want to do that. But I started to go in and envision on a good day where I was feeling grounded little Amber, five-year-old Amber going on the bus and I walked with her and I went on the bus with her, witnessed her go through the experience and I like paused the experience every few minutes and said, hey, like these boys don't even know what they were saying. Like they, you came on, I know you took it to heart, but it was so innocent. They totally didn't even know what they were doing. And then I just sat with her and put my arm around her, you know, and just reassuring her and nurturing her and saying I'm so sorry you went through this I know it really hurt you but we're, I'm here now and, and you're safe and we're gonna heal this and and you get to let go of what happened here whenever you're ready we, we're not gonna force you but whenever you're ready and I kept going into that visualization and every time she perked up a bit more and she was a bit more detached and she was a bit less emotional about the experience because I was there holding space for her and helping her feel safe and eventually that experience was neutralized. And as it was, my body image insecurities and, and me holding a grudge against that completely went away. Mm. And then I thought of what are other experiences. I was a little older hanging out with some boys and they're like, shut up, girls aren't supposed to talk, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go through that. And then like dating in high school and like moving out and like all the body image experiences, you know. And going through these experiences with me at these ages and like really having her back and building her up and expressing the love and helping her just feel the anger and, and the sorrow and the grief that she was feeling like growing up with my mom, you know, not really like having 
a someone who could help me become a woman, there was like grief and feeling lost. And so having my back through all these things, it's not her fault. That was so important for me because it really like all these inner woundings we hang on to fuel that ego voice. And and like you were saying, it like runs us and it creates this identity and it's not really who we are. So if we're willing to slowly ease in and, and like revisit these parts of us and like have our own back and help those parts, you know, release, it really helps fill that void and helps us feel safer. And the coolest thing, right, this isn't about weight loss, but when I started to heal my inner child, this excess protection, I just felt wasn't really, I didn't need anymore. It just came off. No diets, no restriction, no exercise. It was like, I felt safe. She felt safe. Body's like, okay, now we can go to where it feels natural. And I, and that's the way if there's anything to release. This is so, so, so powerful. This is so powerful what you just said. Like mm-hmm. we, we are disconnected from ourselves. We cannot find our authentic selves because we're so afraid of what other people think because of the memories of the past, right? We mm-hmm. act from our beliefs. Our beliefs come from our memories and our memories are associated with our feelings. And when we're four years old, five years old, six years old, or whatever age you, you receive those traumas, like we don't know how to interpret those feelings. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I, I don't know, I, I wanna speak for myself here, but it feels like a lot of people in our generation didn't have parents who could help them interpret those feelings. And that's yeah. not their fault, it's not, not their at fault, all. Because yeah. but, but the, they didn't either. Right. Yeah. But these, yeah. it's, as kids, we walk around the world and we're just looking for someone to show us how to love ourselves, yeah. but there's not any great examples out there. And so the tool you just gave everybody of reparenting yourself, mm-hmm. that's another one where I think people will feel awkward at first. I've personally done a lot of this work. It's really weird to have a conversation with yourself and assume you know, the, the, the younger child and then assume the parent and say, it's okay, you're safe. It's okay, you're safe. But like we just said, you know, your actions come from your beliefs, your beliefs come from your memories. And what you're doing is you're going back into those memories and you're rewriting those experiences so they don't drive you the way that you don't want to be driven anymore. And there, if you, it, feel, it can feel overwhelming to do it by yourself too. Yeah. And I have a therapist who, like, so there are people out there who can help with this, right? Yeah. Like, like I had a therap- I have a therapist who does these workshops and I was petrified to do the workshop, but I was like, just show up. And she had us um, take turns playing out a, a particular scene that get, caused us anxiety or distress or suffering from our childhood. And we played it out. And then we played out with like a bunch of people, like six or seven people playing each different roles in our life. And then we replayed out the way that would have been the way we would have hoped for. Mm. And so it's like a bunch of people holding space for you and and everyone does it. So it does. You're not like the only one. Mm. But and I just remember feeling like, oh, like she's trying to create a different experience, a different feeling in my body so that that. I mean, I think we think that when you get older, those little people go away, but they just stay in. They're in there. And so I think the work that that work is extremely powerful. And if people feel overwhelmed at the idea of doing that themselves, like Google, you know, inner child healing therapists like they're out there they do this kind of work they guide you through it they take it slow so i I want to say something too you said they're in there the traumatized children the bad experience they're in there they're not just in there they're driving they are are driving (laughs) without a license without a license (laughs) and with no mentorship right so this is so so important and i think one thing i want to say is like is it can feel really frightening. I think anybody who's done this work oh, it's can super feel scary. really yeah. scared. And it, it almost feels like you're standing in front of this like wall of flames and you're like, if I take a step in, I'm going to get burned. But I promise you, if you're listening to this, you're curious about this, you find yourself um, hitting wall after wall and you keep repeating these same patterns. Like if you step into those flames, 
it only stings for a short period of time. Absolutely. And then you find a better connection with your true well, self. Well, your side. ego wants to keep you in that. So yeah. your ego is also going to talk you into this is going to be really bad. Yeah. And I, I can only speak from personal experience. But in my personal experience, when I do go there, it's a lot less bad than I thought it was going to be. Because yeah. if mm-hmm. I if I was if I knew what it was going to be like, then I wouldn't stay there. The ego helps you stay there. <laughs> For sure. So, you know, it's like the, a little bit of trust can go a long way. But I really do can't emphasize enough to find someone that you feel genuinely safe with mm-hmm. if you're trying to have like support in this. Because that you have to have a little bit of trust to go there. So you got to find like a safe way to do that. Hey there, if you're enjoying the We Shape podcast and you've heard us talk about We Shape before, then you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, what is We Shape? Well, at We Shape, we create personalized at-home workouts for every single one of our members. These are workouts where every single movement is customized to you to help you connect with your body and care for your body in a much more meaningful way. We also have a community of people there to support you, to help uplift you as you examine your beliefs, set new intentions, and again, start showing up for yourself as an act of self-care rather than trying to do your workouts as an act of self-judgment. And hey, if you're a fan of the podcast, we also do a live podcast discussion group on Zoom, as well as other Q&As, as well as free challenges for all of our members to help you get motivated to actually start taking action to caring for yourself so you can feel better in your body and about your body. So if you want to try WeShape for free for two full weeks, go to WeShape.com backslash podcast and you can get started today. So you, you kind of touched on this notion that as you did that healing work and as you found some sense of self-love and you repatterned those memories, a lot of these old behaviors just kind of naturally went away. And I think that's such an important thing for people to hear about. So can you share a little bit more about that experience with us? Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, the more you feel settled into yourself, the more free and calm and grounded you feel, confident, you know, gratitude, you you live more in your power. And one of the beautiful things that starts to happen is you, in a loving way, tolerate less of your old toleration. So the, the people pleasing and go against going against your own alignment of I'm not saying yes to that. I have enough things in my schedule this week. It's it's no's or, you know, we'll look to the next week or whatever. It's not, oh, yeah, I'll say yes to that person. To the door. That goes away because you're like, no, like, I value my time. I value the space and sacred, you know, time I want for rest, for self-care, for sleep, for nourishment, like, whatever those things are. And I'm not willing to sacrifice it to appease others. As you fill your void... You don't chase others for validation because you stop chasing others to give you a, a dopamine hit, mm-hmm. right? You figure out ways to create your own dopamine and serotonin in a in a flow, in a balanced way through your self-care practices, getting outside, positive self-talk, doing your deeper work, you know, nourishing yourself, regulating your nervous system. And so therefore, the more grounded you are, the more mindful you are in making decisions. Um, even if you're nervous to say no, you do anyway because you know that it's important for you to stay true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so for me, people pleasing was a huge thing to overcome. And it also cleaned out some of the people in my life that were no longer in alignment, yeah. that weren't respecting the boundaries, which is beautiful. And that's fine. Yep. And open space for, you know, others who are more on the same page to come along. And then with the all or nothing mentality, you know, for me, it was really my adrenal glands because my cortisol was insane. Like here in Canada, you know, it should be about 350. It was 2000. Um, it was so high. And so what I started to think of, well, I want to regulate my cortisol. You know, does this decision help me regulate my body and my nervous system or ramp things up? And so I 
kind of looked at some of my physical imbalances as well and went like, what does it cost me to keep repeating this pattern and this behavior, right? That's not serving me with all or nothing with food or with my schedule or, you know, fighting with the scale. And what are the benefits of me actually just going, you know what, enough's enough. I'm not doing that anymore. This is a better approach. And so again, there was a lot of self-talk, a lot of kind of like meeting with myself and like reflecting and exploring. Um, but I think it's just being patient with yourself because there are these neural pathways like you all were talking about when we first started that are so lit up and so strong right. when we start dealing with this stuff. And I tell you, it takes time to, you know, undo the pathway of weighing in three times a day because I should because I need to see how much water retention I've lost after my binge last night. Like mm. those pulls, it's like, I don't want to do this, but my brain's like, it's time, it's time, it's time. Same with the binge. It was always the TV in the evening and one specific movie, The Holiday. I literally didn't watch that movie for like two years because every time I turned it on, it was like, binge, it's time to binge. Like the pathway was so deep, like five years of repeating that. Wow. Right. So part of it was starting to get these pathways and how strong some of them were and to create new habits in the interim that would help dismantle them. And part of it was really, wow, I feel more in my power. Wow, I love myself. I'm not tolerating this old behavior. I'm not willing to throw myself under the bus anymore. That's beautiful, too. It's like a whole healing process because, like you said, with these neural pathways, we associate certain behaviors with other behaviors, and they just go together. Like, it's muscle memory. Like, this is what we do. But it's so cool to see that, like, you can replace them. You can, like, like disrupt that pathway and come up with other activities. And I think that's the important part. Like, you have to have something else to replace that otherwise like what do you do now it's like mm -hmm. emptiness <laughs> yeah. like i don't know what's next so i love that yeah. you were talking about tools like it sounds like there's such a strong importance of like everybody cultivating their toolbox of things that they can go to and like this is so important and people go like well how come like what do you do this and that and they like, want to know like everything that somebody who's already gone through a lot of this does mm -hmm. and they don't realize that like it all started with like one domino tipping over, giving yourself 30 seconds to feel or going on a walk whenever you feel frustrated before you make any decisions or asking yourself, you know, do I really want to do this or not before you do it? And those little things can become such powerful influencers in your life. I mean, to the point where like I literally tattooed on the inside of my arm the things that make me feel grounded. So when I feel ungrounded, I just look down and I go, what do I need to do right now in order to start feeling more grounded? I'm constantly walking in the room and Tyler's just Just staring at my arm. What's next? What's next? <laughs> like, how are you making decisions <laughs> right now? So, so you've mentioned a couple of tools already. You've mentioned, you know, doing this inner child healing. You've mentioned giving yourself the freedom to feel and some tools around that. What are some of the other things that impacted you greatly that you might be willing to share with people that they could adopt? Yeah. Awareness, the tool of awareness. Mm. You can't do much change if you're not willing to take some time and build awareness around what's gotten me to this point where I don't feel safe to feel. What's triggering me to want to go deep into food right now? What's triggering me to feel this urge to need to go on weigh in, it, weigh in and go on another diet? What's triggering me to need to people please? What's triggering my bloating? Like I, I, you might as well have had me like me carrying my head around because I felt so disconnected from my body. I never knew anything about anything with my body. And now I'm to the point where I can tap in and feel what stuck emotion is where in my body and what meridian imbalance and hormone imbalance and organ is off and, and the suppression and how to clear it out. And that's through this being willing to just spend a few minutes starting to become aware of how I'm feeling and what's going on and asking some questions. Mm -hmm. And from there, obviously, the 14 years of healing, but 
awareness. So specifically for emotional eating, binge eating, whatever kind of stuff's going on for you with food, start a journal or a section in a journal where you just have triggers because I didn't know my triggers until I started to build awareness around them. I'd fail, I'd give in, and then after I'd be sitting there bloated going, okay, time to try and own this, forgive myself, let me try and see if I can figure out what happened. And I accumulated this list of dozens of triggers and I put it up in every room of my apartment because I would forget. And then I'd be on my way up to the store and see the list on the back of my door leaving my apartment like, oh no, let me look at this first and see what, right? Because it's so innocent when you're like, your knuckles or your white knuckling and your eyes are glazing over and you're getting ready for that dopamine high. So having those reminders are so helpful. Maybe you have a self-care tool list or a list of activities beside that that just helps to remind you you know, and interrupts that pattern. But what created those tools and that list of triggers was me stopping and even for five or 10 minutes and reflecting on, okay, was I dehydrated? Was I tired? Yeah. Who triggered me at work? What did I eat that was full of processed ingredients that now amplified my cravings? And it was just over time, like I taught myself all of this. I did not go to school and learn any of this. This is like me just blindly going on this way and figuring this out. And I think that's what we need to give more um, like attention to and praise to is building awareness. Because as you build awareness with your thoughts, the first signs of what it feels like to be triggered, you can start to catch that and start mm-hmm. to prevent it. And even if you don't, you can gather the information afterward and that helps you have more awareness moving forward, right? So I think that's a huge tool. Be willing to step into learning it and be willing to see it just evolve and become a superpower because it is something that I feel is one of mine and that I teach to all of my clients. And that's why they gain full relief from their, you know, self-sabotage with food. I think another one is have a whether it's in your mind or you write it down, you know, a list of things that you can dive into, whether you have two minutes, five minutes or an hour, you know, to process through emotions or to to pattern interrupt and shift, whether it's coloring, a puzzle, going for a, a mindful movement, getting outside, like getting your feet in the grass, a shower, a bath, a facial, like meditation there's so many different things depending on what you like and enjoy it's not going to be the same as everyone else Mm -hmm. but be willing to play and experiment with some of these things so that you can start to understand depending on what I'm feeling and what's triggering me these are the things that can help me break up these patterns and maybe you know I'm minimizing the amount of how often I'm using food as a coping mechanism I think the last thing is really being willing to play with this a little bit because it can be a very serious journey and a very heavy journey at that yeah right the ego can be so overwhelming and a huge asshole and like all it's just like oh my god I'm a lot <laughs> so like be patient like give your ego a name some of my clients name their egos right they you know but just be willing to go like oh my goodness like I know this is a lot however I I can't I wouldn't have taken this on if I couldn't handle it I'm gonna just play how can I play with this a little bit more how can I have a bit more compassion and empathy for myself because at the end of the day like we're here on this earth to learn and and evolve and like it just we don't want to get too attached to all these things because otherwise we can just block ourselves from wanting to change a willingness to be willing (laughs) can go such so long I think a lot of times and maybe we even I feel like I talked we talked about this on your show just this like 
we think that we need this list of all of these things. It's like sometimes it's just a simple curiosity with a willingness to be willing. And that is where you start. And then, like Tyler said, it's sort of a domino effect. So, well, Amber, I'd love to uh, have our listeners know where they can find you because you sound like an incredible resource. So let us know where we can find you before we before we go. Yeah, for sure. So um, the website is amberapproved.ca. So if you want to learn more about body freedom, you want to take the free emotional eating quiz if you're wondering if you're struggling or you want to potentially have a conversation around how we may be able to work together to explore the journey to food and body freedom, I am happy to offer you a 30-minute consultation to do so. Also, the podcast, which is called the No Sugar Going Podcast, if you like today's conversation, we dive deep into all those topics in the show that is available on the website or as well on any podcast app. And I'm on Instagram and it's my name, Amber Romaniak. Thank you so much, Amber. It's been such a pleasure to connect with you again and give our listeners such incredible tools. Please go check her out. Um, thank you again for joining us today. Thanks, Amber. Thank you. Thanks. For and don't forget to check us out at WeShape.com. You can reach us. If you want to talk to us, send us questions, comments. You can actually email us at podcast.weshape.com. And we're on all social platforms at WeShape for movement-related content and at WeShape Podcast for podcast clips. We will see you all next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.